I want to begin with another provocative parable by the great philosopher Johnson. Once upon a time, a man named Mr. Knowledge traveled north to the territory of the sages to seek an epiphany of the truth. He encountered a sage named Mr. Actionless Wordless and asked the following three questions. How do I think and ponder to know the truth? Where do I dwell and strive to rest in the truth? What path and plan do I follow to receive the truth? However, Mr. Actionless Wordless did not answer his questions, nor even know how to answer them. So Mr. Knowledge was disappointed and traveled south to the place called End of Doubt. There he countered a man named Mr. Wild Blurter and asked the same three questions. He replied, Ah, I know, let me tell you. But while he was about to speak, he forgot what he wanted to say. Mr. Knowledge was again disappointed and went to the emperor to ask the questions. That is a sage emperor like King Solomon. The emperor said, Think nothing and ponder nothing to know the truth. Dwell nowhere and strive for nothing to rest in the truth. Follow no path and pursue no plan to receive the truth. Then the emperor said, Those who seek the truth daily diminish their doing. Gradually they achieve actionless action. Then there's nothing not done. It means our actions are in a way of God's actions. Our doing is in the way of God's doing. God always reveals himself, but our busyness prevents us from capturing God's epiphany. Simply put, the emperor is saying that the secret to epiphany is let go and let God daily. It's not a one-time practice. You need to let go and let God, let go and let God, let go and let God, day by day until you have nothing more to let go. Then your life is filled with God entirely. It's like John the Baptist's motto, He must increase, I must decrease. John 3.30 I'm practicing this motto. I still have a lot to decrease. It's not also a one-time deal. He must increase, I must decrease. He must increase, I must decrease. Gradually chip away myself to let him take place. It's called sanctification, becoming a saint. Notice it says, I must decrease. Many people want God to increase in their lives without being willing to decrease themselves. It just doesn't work that way. You cannot serve two masters, the ego and God at the same time. You cannot sit two kings on one throne. Either you or God must step down. I know it's uncomfortable for those with an inflated ego. I was one of them, but I've learned that it can be done slowly and steadily. He must increase, but I must decrease. Let go and let God, let go and let God, let go and let God. Then you will see the epiphany. More than that, you will see what God is doing. You will see everything done by God's power. Your God-sized dream realized, your divine purpose fulfilled, and miracles happen. The word epiphany comes from two Greek root words, 
epi means above, and finding means reveal. So it means a higher revelation, revelation from above, or a higher consciousness of God at work. Mr. Knowledge in the allegory above asked three important questions that we can translate into our quest for epiphany. How do I think and ponder to know God? Where do I dwell and strive to rest in God? What path and plan do I follow to receive God? Few people ask questions like this. Mr. Knowledge is wise to ask these questions. People say there's no such thing as stupid questions. It's true, but smart people do ask smart questions. Jesus said, "Ask and you will receive." It's important to ask. If you don't ask, you can't complain about not receiving it. As the apostle James says, "If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you." James 1:5. The answer to the above three questions are. Think nothing and ponder nothing to know God. Dwell nowhere and strive for nothing to rest in God. Follow no path and pursue no plan to receive God. As John Calvin said, we are born with a sense of divinity and a seed of spirituality. It is our overthinking and overdoing that prevent us from epiphany. Today we will look at how Jesus' disciples received the epiphany based on this week's scripture lesson, so that we can also receive the blessing of epiphany for ourselves to realize our divine dream with divine presence. So let's begin. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world, and I'm the keeper. No pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest, so that God is glorified in you, and you are satisfied in God. The scripture lesson for today, the second Sunday after Epiphany, is from the Gospel according to John, chapter one, verses forty-three to fifty-one. Listen to the word of the Lord. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, "Follow me." Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, "We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth." Nathanael said to him, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" Philip said to him, "Come and see." When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, "Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit." Nathanael asked him, "Where did you get to know me?" Jesus answered, "I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you." Nathanael replied, "Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel." Jesus answered, "Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree?" You will see greater things than these, and he said to him, "Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man." John one forty three to fifty one. Blessed are those who delight in God's word. Thanks be to God. 
The story begins with Jesus' recruiting journey. He had already recruited Andrew and Peter. Now it says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me, John 1:43. There was no conversation, no debate, no excuses. He just followed. You might argue it's because the author of John tried to be brief. So they eliminated the lengthy conversation Jesus might have had to twist Philip's arms to follow him. No, the point here is that Philip was ready, just like Mary was ready, Joseph was ready. If you wait until Jesus shows up to get ready, it will be too late. Epiphany is for those who are ready. In fact, there were occasions when people gave excuses. Luke says, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Luke 9, 59 and 61. You know the context of the story. Jesus left them all behind because their priority shows they were not ready. Notice the word first. Their first thing is not seeking the kingdom of God. We can conclude that Philip had already let go of all his worldly attachments, so he was ready for the epiphany and for the calling. When Jesus showed up, he recognized him as the Messiah and followed him. He didn't try to overthink and overdo. Now Philip began recruiting. The Bible says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth, John 1.45. Nathanael knew his Bible. According to the prophets, Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So when Philip said that Jesus was from Nazareth, it triggered suspicion in Nathanael. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see, verse 46. Nathaniel's comment sounds politically incorrect and condescending, but it's not uncommon to hear statements like that. When I was back in San Francisco, I heard people say, can anything good come out of LA? In China, some cities have never given birth to a statesman or a celebrity in 5,000 years of Chinese history. So people would say, can anything good come out of whatchamacallit city? Now, Philip was not talking about some minor celebrity, but the Messiah. How could an obscure town of Nazareth produce the savior of the world, the king of Israel? Nathaniel sincerely doubted. He was ready to debate the validity of Philip's epiphany. We know Americans like to debate. It's a Judeo-Christian tradition. Now we are in another election year and often select candidates by their debate performances to some extent. But statistics shows fewer Americans watch debates anymore. Are debates still a good way to make our decision? Joe Biden won the presidential election last time without a debate. Of course, you can say it was during the pandemic, but this time, Trump refused to join any Republican debates and still ranks the highest in the polls. Do you need a debate to make a decision? Can a decision made from a debate or argument be a better decision at all? 
can debate brings us an epiphany. According to Mr. Knowledge in the story, epiphany comes when you shut up, stop thinking, and stop doing. I think debates can make us overthink. Philip was wise in refusing to debate with Nathaniel. His response to Nathaniel's pick for an intellectual debate was simple. Come and see. Debating without seeing him yourself is meaningless. Let the Messiah speak for himself. You know, Tesla is currently the best-selling EV in the world without spending a single penny on advertisement. Elon Musk says that he tried to make good cars. If the car is good, people buy it. If not, advertisements won't make the car better. He let his vehicles speak for themselves. Drive it and decide for yourself. Come and see is the most important lesson we need to learn from Philip. That's how you introduce Christ to them without arguing with them. You might ask, Jesus is no longer here. How can we invite people to come and see? As I mentioned previously, Jesus is found in the Bible. Instead of debating with people about Jesus, invite them to read the Bible. If they are ready, they will read it. As Confucius said, when the students are ready, the teachers show up. Epiphany happens when you read the Bible. The Bible says, when Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Verse 47, Jesus spoke to him like an old friend, as if he knew him for a long time, appreciating his personality of no deceit. Remember, Israel is the name God gave Jacob. The word Jacob means cheater or a man of deception. Jacob was born grabbing his twin brother's foot as if he was trying to cheat to be the firstborn. We read in the Bible about Jacob cheating on his brother, father, and uncle. On his way home years later, he wrestled with God and God gave him a new name, Israel. The word Israel is a pun with two meanings prince of God, or one wrestle with God. With his new name, Jacob began a new life. He was no longer a cheater or a swindler, but a prince of God. Jesus said that Nathaniel was a true Israelite without deception. From this, we discover the quality of a person who receives an epiphany of God. No deception. Because of Jesus' intimate greeting, Nathaniel asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Verse 48. We don't know what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree, but it must be a place where no one could have known without a divine vision. Nathaniel replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Verse 49. We can see that Nathaniel was ready for the epiphany. He recognized Jesus as the Son of God and the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. Verse 50. This verse reveals epiphany is not a one-time deal. When we believe in an epiphany, greater epiphanies will follow. Again, using John the Baptist's principle, he must increase but I must decrease. As I decrease, 
I see increasing epiphany of Christ. As you let go and let go and let go, God will come into your life more and more and more. And Jesus said to him, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angel of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Verse 51. This verse is based on Jacob's ladder. In Genesis, when Jacob was running away from his brother, he stayed overnight at a place, later he named it Bether, and had this dream. The Bible said, and he dreamt that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Genesis 28, 12. Jesus revealed to Nathanael that the prophecy Jacob received was now fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the ladder between heaven and earth. People now can go to heaven through him. And Nathaniel would witness Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, opening the door to heaven for humanity. In case you're wondering who Nathaniel is, since you don't find this name in other Gospels on the list of the 12 disciples, scholars believe Nathaniel is Bartholomew. Bartholomew means son of the farmer which only indicates whose son he was. Nathaniel might be his given name. Nathaniel means gift of God. That gives us a hint to what God wants us to know. Epiphany is a gift of God. That means you cannot strive for it, but receive it by keeping your heart and mind open. So don't overthink, don't overdo. Just keep your hands wide open for an epiphany, a higher revelation or a higher consciousness. So let's conclude with what we have started. Think nothing and ponder nothing to know God. Dwell nowhere and strive for nothing to rest in God. Follow no path and pursue no plan to receive God. In short, we do nothing because epiphany is a gift from God. Jesus is a gift from God. In Christ, we receive grace upon grace. Grace cannot be earned, but receive. So let's receive him with open hands, open minds, and open hearts. And we will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let it be so. Do you know amen means let it be so? Let it be. Let go and let God. That's the secret to epiphany. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound freedom, purpose, and happiness. Amen. Let it be so. Bye now.